Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, AKG, for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Kit. It has a Lira mic and an amazing set of headphones. And if you've ever thought of doing your own podcast, this is the best way to get that done. Today, I'm joined by multi-talented artist Ellen Foley. You might remember her from the musical Hair, or maybe as public defender Billy Young from the 80s sitcom Night Court, or maybe as the female lead from Meatloaf's Paradise by the Dashboard Light, or the entire Bad Out of Hell album for that matter. She talks about a lot more than those highlights, though. There's moving to New York City from St. Louis to pursue her career. There's also recording her own albums after Bad Out of Hell, which led to a relationship with The Clash's Mick Jones. That led to The Clash being her band for her second album, Spirit of St. Louis. And that led to a Wikipedia entrance citing her as the influence for the song Should I Stay or Should I Go and subsequent royalty payments. After years of acting, theater, and raising a family, she's got a new album out. And to bring things full circle, she duets with Carla DeVita, the singer who lip syncs in the Paradise by the Dashboard Light video, and who sang Ellen Part's on Meatloaf's tour. To pick up Ellen's new album, Fighting Words, wherever you get music, follow her on Instagram at Ellen underscore Foley underscore stop right there and Twitter at Ellen Foley NYC. Follow us at Performance ANX on social media and you can help the show at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety and performanceanx.threadless.com. Thank you for checking out Ellen Foley on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Ellen Foley. You're listening to Performance Anxiety. Is it Performance Anxiety or The Performance Anxiety uh, Podcast? Okay, let's start again. Hey, it's Ellen Foley, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety, the fabulous podcast with Mark Shea. We're going to be talking about my new album, which is called Fighting Words, which you can hear on Spotify. And if you're really kind, you can purchase it on Apple, Amazon, and all those kind of places. And uh, I've had a wonderful time talking to Mark. So I hope you enjoy the show. How you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you so much. Sure. I'm just moving this a little closer. 
Sure. It doesn't fall over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on doing the show. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Where are you? I'm in Virginia. Okay. I'm All right. Just, I'm about 75 miles due west of D.C. All right. right in Winchester, home of Patsy Cline. Oh, it is? Yes. Mm. Very proud of that fact. I don't blame you. Although, I didn't grow up here. I grew up between mostly Virginia and New Jersey, so. Well, then you have a lot of things to brag about. Yeah. <laughs> you got Bruce, you got Patsy Cline, oh, you yeah. sort of skirting all the greatness yeah exactly now we got to get this podcast up to their level so that's why i'm trying to get you know some good guests like you on okay here we are <laughs> performance anxiety right yes ma'am that's a great great name i love it that's thank great. you it's funny I, I don't actually end up talking about that very often it's, it's such a good idea. It really is good. I love it. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, that was supposed to be like the through line through every episode was to talk about that. And it, I just kept forgetting to ask people about it. So well, probably just as well. Yeah, you know, probably. You don't spend your life hearing at people's worst moments, do you? I mean. No, that's true. In fact, <laughs> I like to hear the, the funny stuff that happens that people don't know about. The stuff behind the scenes that. Only the, the actors and the, the musicians know. That's what okay. I try to get. We'll see if we can come up with anything. Like All right. That. Even if we make it up, you know, I don't know nobody's yeah. listening, really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm missing teen mom OG. And yeah. You're telling me that nobody's listening. Okay. <laughs> All I'm missing is editing next week's podcast. So got to work, get started on next week's. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you again. This is really awesome. I I really got in introduced to you, I guess is the best word, through Night Court. So this uh -huh. is this, you know, finding out that you were a musician, it didn't happen until later on. So this uh -huh. it was really interesting. I had no idea that you were the female voice in Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Stop forever do you need me will you never leave me will you make me so happy for the rest of my life will you take me away will you make me I mean, you had probably known the song, oh, right? Oh, yeah. The song but is... You, but you did not put the two together. You didn't know at the time you were watching Night Court. No, I didn't know Billy Young was singing that. Right. That was just... Billy Young definitely was nuts. <laughs> that girl would not have been singing that. No, for sure. But she was pretty buttoned up. Yeah. <laughs> Passionate, but buttoned up. That's true. That is so true. And I want to find out a little bit more about her in a little bit, but... A before we do that, I want to find out a little bit more about how you got into performing in the first place. Was there a uh, acting bug in you as a kid? Was, was there, was that anywhere in the family? Um, it was in the family in that my mother and both of my sisters 
thought they were performers. Okay. You know, they and with my sisters, you know, my my sisters, they they were children of the fifties. They were teenagers then, so they were very into lip syncing. Oh. They would like lip sync to Teresa Brewer and you know, I saw Daddy kissing Sam oh no. Sorry, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. That was Daddy kissing Santa Claus, that's a different song. That was the fifties yeah. after all. But you know, and they would be jitterbugging and dancing around and you know, my and my mother said, you know, you know, she should have been a ballerina. So anyway, they all they all had uh, uh, talent, I suppose, but I'm I'm the only one who <laughs> I'm the only one who did anything with it. So was singing or acting your first passion? Um, singing, I'm sure. I guess I, you know, because you know, your name is Shay, so I'm assuming you probably went to Catholic school, or you're Catholic. Right? I I am a Catholic, but I did not go to Catholic school. Right, but anyway, you're Catholic, so yes. you know that. I, I was in the I was in the choir, sang uh sang at church, you know, yeah. did all that. But then they started we started doing musicals in in grade school. And uh I when I auditioned for my first musical in sixth grade, I sang Goldfinger. Oh wow. Goldfinger. Like a, like this little kid gold a finger you know and that it was it that probably is... it probably sounded just like that oh, because great. having having li- seen the movie and listened to shirley bassey a hundred times i'm sure it sounded just like that oh yeah so yes gold a finger <laughs> and so got the part and uh you know so started singing but you know then my mom put me in some sort of children's theater group you know where there was acting too and musicals and then in high school i had a a great nun who was sort of my mentor who i started doing a lot of theater with uh during high school yeah oh wonderful but then i guess the the bug really caught because you end up you were from st louis but you end up leaving and going to new york when you're 21 right yeah yeah so did you have anything yes, lined up or were you, you just heading out there just to see what you could do? No, I, I knew I was going to go and study acting. I, I, w- I had that lined up. I started okay. doing classes. But then, you know, I started probably auditioning. You know, I didn't have a union card or anything. So, right. you know, just looking in backstage magazine, which was a thing. It might still be, but it's probably online. Yeah. Where, where the auditions and things for, you know, people who didn't have agents, people who did not, uh, weren't in the union. And so I did uh, stuff off, off Broadway. And then I think my first paying gig was a thing called Tuxedo Junction. It was a uh, four-person musical comedy review done up in the Catskills. Oh, wow. And it was so straight and so corny because <laughs> at the same time, in my a parallel life I was leading, my boyfriend, who I came to, from St. Louis with, he was a New Yorker. Okay. So, you know, we came up, we had a band in St. Louis. And so we, we continued with the band in New York. Oh, wow. With a rock, it was a rock band called Big Jive. Oh, cool. So at this, you know, I was in, we had Big Jive, but then I was in this thing, there's a Broadway Broadway, how great you are, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So it kind, you know. I mean, I did Broadway stuff after that, but I think it it really kind of delineated that the kind of music I would rather have been singing, you know. Right. Not, 
Not that. <laughs> yeah. So we hit on this very early on that, that you are the voice behind one of the most iconic songs on the radio. How did mm-hmm. you meet Meatloaf? I got to say that slowly because otherwise it just sounds weird. How did you no, meet You Meatloaf? can just say, how did you meet Meat? How did you, okay, how did you meet Meat and Jim Steinman? Well, actually, my first union job, a uh, couple of years, so what, maybe, yeah, you know, just like four years after I came to New York, um, was in the uh, tour of the National Lampoon Show. Oh, wow. And um, the Lampoon uh, put on a couple of, of shows in New York. One was called Lemmings. This one was National Lampoon Show. And uh, in New York, it was Gilda Radner and Bill Murray and John Belushi. But then we did the the road tour of it, and Meat was in it. And then Jim was the music director. But he he really just came along because, you know, he and Meat had already started working on uh, songs for the Bad Out of Hell album. Oh, and okay. um, Yeah, so I was there, and, and you know, it was... It, it was a music, music review. It was comedy, but it had music. So, you know, of course, Jim heard me sing and we worked together in it. And then it's when he was writing uh, Paradise. Wow. Around, around me and me. Yes. Oh, so that was actually, you didn't just happen to go into that. He wrote that around your your voice. Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And you are all over that album. So I'm assuming that. Was was Paradise by the Dashboard Light one of the first songs he had written, or did he just incorporate you into the songs that he was writing at the time? No, it definitely wasn't one of the first songs he'd written. You know, I don't know what the the chronology of of all the songs were <clears throat> that he had written, but you know, they cert- certainly weren't recorded in order of right. what when he wrote them. You know, did you guys? perform these songs out at all? Cause I know that you didn't join the tour and right. the person in the v- music video that circulated is not you. It's right. Carla DeVito. Yeah. Well, it's, she's, she's in the video, but it's me singing. Right. Right. You know that. Yes. That she's lip syncing. No, I mean, I, I think I did one gig with them, which was kind of a showcase at this club back in the day, this cabaret called Reno Sweeney, but um, in terms of anything live, but we, we performed a lot because we, we uh, performed in rehearsal studios trying to get a record deal for many, 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 many record executives who uh, didn't sign uh, Meatloaf and who probably lost their jobs a couple of years after that because That's everybody true. thought, what the, what is this? This right. is ridiculous. What? Yeah. This is this, what, uh, this operatic, this big guy. What the hell? No, no, no. And so I did that. I did a lot of that with them. Okay. But then, then, then uh, in that room, we met Steve Popovich, who was uh, – had his own label, Cleveland International, and signed us. And also in one of those rooms uh, came Todd Rundgren, who who came in and wow. fell in love with the whole thing and uh, produced it. So, mm-hmm. so and we, and I know you didn't tour, and you only played live uh, once, maybe with him. What was what was the reason that you didn't go on tour with Meatloaf at well, that time? At the time, I had a lot of my own stuff going on. You okay. know, I think. You know, I had just, I was in the movie of Hair. I was starring in Hair on Broadway. I was doing 
soaps. Uh, Steve Popovich was going to sign me for my own record deal. We were in the middle of, of getting demos together. Wow. Yeah. So I had my own, you know, did my own thing. Okay. So the, the, you talk about your, your first album, Night Out, which is really cool. It's, that's got this great Northeastern Springsteen-ish sound to it. I, I yeah. Really... Springsteen, uh, Steinman, yes. Bill Spector. Yeah, it had, it had all those elements, which it, worked for me really well. Oh, it really did. And yeah. And is that, that's Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson are involved in that. How did, how did you meet up with those guys? Also, you know, by that time, um, Steve Popovich was my label and my management. Okay. Um, and I guess he might have signed Ian by that point. You know, he, he was almost like, um, creating kind of a um a very gordy kind of thing where he had you know a different artists and 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 put them together and and work together okay stuff like that so he put me together with uh ian hunter and mick ronson okay i, I, I got listening to the album over the past couple of days because i've listened back to all of your stuff over the past week or so and i gotta say after that first album young lust is definitely my favorite track Isn't it? it is such a great song. It really is. It's uh, it's a guy named Phil Philip Rambo, and he's a Canadian artist who is a friend of Ronson's. Also wrote the title track "Night okay. Out." Okay. Yeah. So, and it was this about the same time that you you started seeing Mick Jones, or was that later? Uh, actually, uh, it was a little later than that. You know, okay. I made the record, and then I was starting to tour. After it, it released and I went over to England and I, I met him then, yeah. Okay, so how did you get up in a relationship with Mick Jones of The Clash? That's a- I was I went, actually went to uh, this venue where I was going to be performing like a couple of nights before I was going to do my show there. Okay. And I met him there. You know, kind of people who do the same thing, go to the same places, meet yep. have relationships that, you know, where okay. do you meet people? You meet them where you work or you, you know, where you worship. That's a good point. And so you, you're on Sandinista and then the clash is on your second album. And I mean, they're basically your backing band is the clash and the blockheads. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is amazing to me because I will admit I'm not, up on my clash i haven't dived into them as deeply as maybe i should but the sound from uh, spirit of st louis changed from uh, uh night out it sounds a little more yes. experimental a little softer maybe a little a lot of different elements in it was that the yep. influence of, of mick and and uh, yeah it was uh it was, I, you know, because they, they, you know, people think of them as a punk band, but they were a very experimental band and they liked to 
they like to work in different sort of genres and 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 experiment with sounds and 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 stuff in the studio. So you know that they were able to use me as a blank slate for all that stuff they wanted to do. That's <laughs> so you were the Clash's experiment. Yeah, yeah, a science experiment, and I've lived to tell. <laughs> no, few have. <laughs> Touring with uh, a road band on that one was it? Was it anybody from the Clash? No, no, no. I, after that, um, I came back to New York. You know, put together my own band. Okay. Uh, you know, did some did some touring on my own, and then opened for ELO in big big stadium and that big wow. arena stuff like that. That's wild. I was, you know, I think. People, you know, who open for other bands, it's not always um, uh, the marriage made in heaven, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as, as great as I thought ELO was. But I I was going to say their audience didn't love me, but people rarely love the opening act, you know. I mean, so point. I went I, I went through that uh, trial of, of being an opening act. And, of course, you know, I was as dizzy as I am now, you know. I was in... <laughs> I was in um, Maybe San Francisco or someplace, and you know, it's like, "Hey, good evening, San Diego." You know, so stupid. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> when place where it matters, you know, if you're in a club somewhere and you say something, you just go, <laughs> "That was silly, wasn't it?" Yeah. No, but in that guy, people are like, "Boo!" Oh. and they throw even more crap at you than they were five minutes before. <laughs> But, you know, it was something. You know, all of this stuff is, is great stuff, you know. To oh, yeah. Have in, your, have in your past, in your life. Yeah, it's great stories, which is why I love doing this podcast, finding out mm -hmm. the fun stories, the, the stuff that maybe you thought was bad at the time that you look back now and, and smile. Oh, absolutely. All this stuff, all those, you know, the the, the whole Clash era you know, and that, you know, as you grow up and, and you see that all that stuff just adds up to what where you are now. And and I'm a, I'm a happy, pretty satisfied person. I'm very happy right now because of this new album. And so yes. I'm like, yeah, all of that. It was fine. All well, of it. OK. Out of all of the songs on that on, on the Spirit of St. Louis, Phases of Travel is definitely my favorite. Did you have a, a lot of input in the writing on the, your solo albums? Not that much. The, fir the first album, I wrote a song or co-wrote a song with a guy named Fred Goodman, We Belong to the Night. Yes. And that's really the big song off the record. And...
Formula One over in, in some countries in Europe. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Tiesta Tea. Tiesta is a tea company on a mission to create loose leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients that taste good and do good. Each tea is blended for one of five categories so you can energize, slenderize, boost antioxidants, boost immunity, and relax. My current favorite is Blueberry Wild Chow. You know, when I was growing up, my dad always told me, once you go loose, you never go bagged. And you know what? He was right. Go to tiestatea.com and use the promo code ANXIETY15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. Think you know tea? You haven't tried Tiesta tea. The second album, the, with the, I mean, you know, it was Strummer and Jones writing this stuff. So, right. like I said, I was the vessel. I was the blank slate. And, you know, except for Phases of Travel. Yeah. Right. Which involves in writing that song. Which, like I said, that's one of my favorites off that album. So, Well, it's more, it's more of a rock and roll song. Exactly. It, it sounds would, more like something off a night out. Right. Which made more sense for me. How about the third album? The Was that... More of the same, you know, were you choosing the songs? Oh, yeah, definitely choosing the songs. But but during some of it, I was uh, writing with Ellie Greenwich, working with Ellie Greenwich okay. at the time. And there's a song on there called Boys on the Boys in the Attic. Yes. Wrote that with her. with Desmond Child, who yes. became a huge, you know, and he, he wrote a song on there. So there was there was definitely, you know, co-writing and, uh, and you know, choosing songs. And that kind of brought you back to a little more of the rock sound and the rock feel. With yeah. The album. Well, it was, it was very, I mean, I've been listening to it, you know, as I've been putting my live show together. And we actually, we are doing Boys in the Attic which I don't think I ever did. Oh, and wow. it's, such a, it's such a cool, fun song. So I listened to that whole album. And there's, you know, our, I think our version of Grandpa, um, of Robert Palmer's Johnny, Johnny and Mary, Mary is really good. Yes. I like that. And there's, there's some ballads on there, which are good. You know, I mean, but yeah, it has, it's got like the synthesized sized sound, you know, it's, it's very of the era. It is. And that, but that's what I like about it. My kids love that stuff. That is huge right now. My, my, I've got a 16, 17 and an 18 year old. Actually Uh now it's 17, 17 and 18. So that's what they're into. They love that sound. So they, they've been listening along with me and they love it. They did. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I love that. That's great. Everything that everything comes around, it's all cyclical, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> I did hear that, I guess a few years ago, that you did get a check in the mail thanks to Wikipedia. Oh, no, that's been happening for a long time. Okay. I got a check in my bank account, you know, for like $10,000. <laughs> and I saw that there was from this 
this PPL, which is a British payroll. Okay. Uh, you know that it's like BMI or ASCAP, where you get um, royalties. Right, right. The royalty payment, and I uh, found out that I was getting money for should I stay or should I go. Oh wow! Which I, I didn't sing on, <laughs> and I, I called the guy there. I said. I mean, this is nice, but I mean, I didn't sing on this song. I sang on other songs. He goes, oh, no, we looked up. We we saw on Wikipedia that the song was written about you. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're right. I should get something. That's right. <laughs> Which, by the way, it was not written about me. So just to set the story. But, yeah, I've been getting money in diminishing in diminishing amounts ever since. That's amazing. Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> thank you, I mean, thank you like, Wikipedia. Yeah, it's like if if somebody wrote yes, and he he was at the ball game and and sang this Star Spangled Banner, and uh, and <laughs> it's in Wikipedia, and they start getting back pay for the Star Spangled Banner. You Man, know, a lot of ex girlfriends are going to start getting some checks, I think. Right. Man. <laughs> so that was kind of crazy, <laughs> but good. Crazy in a good way. Yeah, exactly. So after another breath, you didn't put out a solo album for what, like thirty years. Well, something. What was it? God. But you did that. Was that was? Uh, yes. Yeah, so another breath was eighty three, and then uh, about time came out in twenty thirteen. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's a long time. But you did do Pandora's box, right? Well, so that was. I was trying to figure that whole concept out. Was it? Was that a patchwork of different things, or was it no, supposed to be it was, a group? You know, no. Jim just gathered female singers that he loved and and had them, you know, make uh, this album of uh, of, his, of his stuff. And some of it was new and original. I, but I did my favorite thing that I got to do was the one ad, which is the spoken piece that's on there. Yeah, which is is I you know I have to go back and listen to it. Somebody just reminded me that it was on there. And it's, I have to hear it because it's an incredible piece of writing. If light were dark and dark were light, the moon a black hole in the blaze of night, a raven's wing as bright as tin, then you, my love, would be darker than sin, than sin, than sin. Yeah, he's so talented. I can't think of something that he's done that I haven't liked. Yeah, so. no, I know he was uh, he was a great. So, in the thirty years, were you focusing more on acting, family, theater? Well, okay, so well, so let's think. Okay, That's a so that, gap right there. Uh, so another breath was eighty three, and I did, that was my third album in a, a a three a three record deal okay and you know i was kind of like you know this whole thing and, <laughs> and so yeah i just felt unsupported and not happy and not wanting to be in charge so yeah i went and then and then for the next few years you know i did a bunch of broadway and film and theater and uh you know i was in these great movies i was in married to the mob and fatal attraction yes. and a cocktail Cocktail, yes, yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, good. And Night Court? And, and Night Court, your favorite. Yes. And then did Into the Woods and uh, another show, Me and My Girl on Broadway. And then in 1989, I guess I met my husband and, you know, got married shortly thereafter and yeah. had a couple of kids. So I uh, I spent 
most of their their growing years, you know, with them. I, you know, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, what was the inspiration to start recording again? It was meeting uh, Paul Faglino, okay, guy who who wrote all all or most of the the songs on on, on about time and fighting words. Right. We met uh, doing a show that he wrote the music for off Broadway, and okay. uh, and then we just sort of came together after that and decided, you know, we wanted to work and and took a bunch of time he writing songs, us putting a band together, playing around until and that was two thousand eight, I guess. And then um then we uh yeah, played around. Kay you kept writing songs and yeah, like you said in twenty thirteen that album came out. Did you tour a lot with that? Was that something um, that you wanted to we just did really local stuff. A lot okay. of New York, a lot of New York gigs. Yeah. That album's got a really cool mix of sounds too. I like like it's got some it's got definitely the rock. It's got some jazz, some country country rock sound yeah. and yeah. some blues. Like I I love Guilty. That, I think that's yes. one of my favorite tracks on that album. Yes, baby. I've been drinking Shouldn't have come back I know But I found myself in trouble, darling And I had no place else to go Okay, let's go on to the, let's get to fighting words, because that's, it's not as big of a gap between About Time and Fighting Words. Yeah. It's only a few exactly. years. Did you actually record all the vocals in your house? Yes. Wow. I did. I did. And even, even before, this is pre-COVID, like by a, you know, the, if the, the, the record actually took a while to record, but it was maybe three years in the making before oh, wow. COVID. But they were, you know, he, Paul made um, the rhythm tracks uh, with Steve Golding, who is our drummer, and Paul played the bass on it. And then he just sent the tracks out to the different musicians and the singer and myself, our, our everybody and to background singers. And then he, uh, we came and had all the uh, tracks uh, and did did the the vocals yeah in my in my living room in New York yeah oh and it, you've got a duet with Carla DeVito Carla DeVito which is awesome Who don't know when to quit 
Have you guys, did you guys know each other before this really, or or is this? Not really, but I mean, we knew each other, but we know we never, we never hung out except for then like, God, it must've been five, six years ago. We, we met again because we, we sang at a, uh, a tribute to Steinman, all his songs at a club called uh, Below 54. Okay. And we, you know, and I, you know, I always said, like, it's stuck in my craw, like, ah, the world, they thought there was this girl singing, yes. and it was me, and da-da-da. Yes. As, as years went on, I stopped worrying about that, and I also realized that people know it's me singing. Yeah. But we just started talking at this thing, and, you know, really hit it off. And uh, then, I guess, you know, then the next year, or last, she and I both went down to Nashville and sang on this track with Meatloaf called Braver Than We Are. It was like a trio on his, I guess it was his last album. said to Paul, you know, she's great. I, wouldn't it be fun if she and I sang together and he wrote that song? And it's it's so great. That is such an upbeat, happy, wonderful song. It, I just love it. It is my favorite on the album. It, yeah, it's great. Was it so you guys didn't record the vocals together? You you recorded them no, separately? Because she she right now I mean I didn't even know where she was. Was she in LA? Now she lives in Oregon. But you know, oh, wow. they, those two, she and Robbie Benson I don't know if the law is after them because, but they're moving all the time. <laughs> I don't know how, in how many states they are wanted, but uh, no, no, we, because he has, they had a studio in, in their home and they, they did the tracks there, you know, she's, and now we've just worked on a video also that she did there. Now they do live in Oregon and she's in the woods of Oregon and wow. I was in New York city and it's, we're just about finished with it. So I think it'll probably probably be out there on youtube or wherever it's going to show up right. you know? <laughs> so did you have to or did you get a guide vocal or something because the harmony is so perfect on that how did how did how did you guys manage to do that with everybody being remote well no that's i'm assuming that i i sang it first okay yeah i sang it first so she would know what it was and what, you know, what was expected and what. And okay. then, you know, on some of it, I sang harmony and some she did. Once you have all the vocals, then you can build harmonies over. But I definitely did um, my vocals first because, you know, she, she didn't really know the song. And she was able to go and match up what I was doing. And then we went from there. Okay. Well, I think this is definitely the most rock sounding album you've put out. 
I think it's it's probably the hardest rocking one you've done. And I, Isn't almost, that fun? It's almost Joan Jett sounding on some songs. It's really some of it, great. Like, yeah, like like the first track, uh, Are You Good Enough? Yes. Very, you know. Yep. Like <laughs> play live I say you know we put this out and people say oh my goodness she can really rock still <laughs> hey she's rocking look at her <laughs> I said yes we are we are we're rocking yeah <laughs> yeah definitely most well, definitely the, the thing that I like about the album is it's so fun and upbeat I mean not just I'm glad to be here, but, but like, fill your cup. That's so sweet. Yes. It's, you end it with a beautiful version of heaven can wait. Right. You know, it's just a very uplifting album to listen to. Very, very happy. And it's so I think nice. So, you know, it's, it's happy and it's, but it, but because it's, it's rooted in, in, you know, looking back at life and being resilient and, and what you think you can share from what you've learned and I, I think it comes across well I was looking at some of the people you've collaborated with and I mean it's incredible so I'm, you've got obviously Jim Steinman and Meatloaf The Clash The Blockheads Stephen Sondheim uh, Milos Foreman Blue Oyster Cult Blue Oyster Cult Joe Jackson uh, Todd Rundgren's Utopia mm-hmm. that's an amazing list of people and I'm sure I'm missing people that's just unbelievable the amount of people that you've worked with well that's because i brought the beer ah that's the secret (laughs) (laughs) that's what i forgot i brought the beer and they let me sing (laughs) are you planning on on playing any live shows to support this album we did one a couple of weeks ago in a place called the bowery electric here in the city oh yeah and it was I mean, it was great. We have a really good band, very tight, and uh, I felt good. And we're doing the the cutting room in December. Oh, nice! Then I'm going to uh, the Netherlands in uh, uh, in January, where I have like ten gigs or something, and like wow. twelve days. I don't know. This Man. old woman, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> I, I can't die so far from home. You're going to be, I mean, you're doing more work than a lot of the artists that are that, that are young now. I tell you, it feels great because, uh, I, you know, I've, I've spent considerable amount of time, you know, not doing a lot and being pretty happy about it. Yeah. Especially, of course, during the, um, the pandemic, you know, sticking close to home. So to be out there and... To be getting attention, God knows that's what that's what I really want. It's all that attention. <laughs> well, so it's pretty great. Your voice sounds just as strong as it did on Night Out. I mean, how how have you kept it so strong all these years? Practice, practice, practice. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I used to drink. I don't drink. I don't do anything that's gonna screw me up. And uh, but you know, I it's a month or so before I have to do anything like these gigs, I just really work really hard to, to try to get it back in shape because for a while, you know, 
that there almost whatever was over a year or more, almost a year and a half. I didn't sing at all because I was singing. I was up. I might. I'm in New York now. We have a house upstate in the country. I was there. You know, I didn't uh, sing for really? some reason. Oh. I'm not sure exactly what I was trying to prove. Yeah. To <laughs> But I didn't sing. But then I was oh. like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get out there. We're gonna perform. So I'm gonna work really hard." I heard that you've done, and I haven't found it, a version of "Hello, It's Me" by Todd Rundgren. Is that ever gonna see the light of day? You know, uh, I did these yeah demos with this guy down in Nashville, and I I didn't really love it, and it's sitting somewhere. Oh man. Maybe yeah, maybe I should. Um, I am. Te- I don't know about you, but especially trying to keep track of things <laughs> like friggin' uh, <laughs> ar- archive yourself and and your emails or what did I do with? You know, oh, it's God. bad enough when you like couldn't find anything that's sitting down in the basement. Now I I lose things in in uh, cyberspace. Yeah, you know? in virtual folders. And... Yes, exactly. All right, so a couple more questions because you just made me think of something here your albums from the 70s and the 80s have been re-released and they've all have extra tracks and 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 things and interesting nuggets on them where does that stuff go how do you find that stuff the the extras tracks the like um another breath has some extended remixes like some dance remixes how do you find this stuff I don't. Yeah. I have no idea who does that. <laughs> well, I guess because, you know, the, they, I guess Epic Records own the masters and maybe they, they licensed them or sold sold them to somebody, okay. who, you know, smaller labels who then say, let's re-release. Yeah. I have no idea. That's, it's, it's just amazing to, that all that stuff is out there somewhere. Exactly. And it, it, can, be, it can really come back to haunt you, but yeah. luckily. Yeah, because there's unreleased tracks on the on the album on the, on the deluxe uh, remasters. It's just it's amazing. And I did see you do a cover of Radiohead's "Creep." my god yeah that was really cool now where did you see that where uh i just stumbled upon that on youtube oh be really yeah it's a live live recording of you doing creep well that's from this this show that my friend and i put together called uh club dada in difficult times oh and i guess it was from for, we we did two performance. We worked on it for like three years or something. We finally got it together to the point that we were going to perform it. We did uh, two two shows, uh, one on March sixth and one on March seventh in twenty twenty. Okay. okay. And then a week later, everything shut down. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What I so we haven't gotten back to it, you know. But it, it's it's a really good, cool piece. And yeah, I sang "Creep." It's, and wow, what a song! What a song! Awesome. I was wondering if you know maybe there's any other '90s alternative 
songs you could do. Maybe do like a covers album of Hello, It's Me and 90s alternative stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hello, It's Me, you know, I, I think I think that came out when I was in love with my uh, boyfriend in senior year in high school and yeah. and just, you know, how everything is just like, oh, so emotional. So I still feel that whenever I, and of course not, I've known Todd for many years and what I feel when I hear him sing. It's, oh, it's incredible. I yeah. love that song. I grew up with that song. My yeah. parents would play it all the time. I love that yeah. song. So Yeah, it's really something. So well, look, I promised you I'd keep this short. So th- I want to, th- Find out where can people pick up the album? How can they follow you? Are, they, are you have a social media presence where people can learn more? Yeah, um, you know, I'm on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. They can, uh, you know, get the record on um, all the the regular places: Apple, Amazon. All the and other things that I never even heard of Spotify you, and all that. No, well. Let's not even talk about yeah. Spotify. No, no, no. But I, I do wouldn't want people to go to Spotify because I want people to hear the record. Right. Because, but they don't have to buy it on Spotify. I want, yes, definitely Spotify. Because I do find that when these days, like, you know, oh, Spotify, you know, you had 30,000 people hear this record. Well, yeah, how many have we sold? 75 yeah yeah because <laughs> everybody's hearing it for free but okay, yeah fine. you get thirty thousand streams here's 25 cents pretty much thanks pretty much but that's okay i want people to hear it because i think it's so good well i really enjoyed it it's like i said it's a fun album to listen to it's it's really awesome so thank you so much for thank spending you, your Mark. time with me it's my pleasure thank you so much of course heaven can wait and a band of angels wrapped up in my heart will take me through the lonely night, through the cold of the day. And I Without pain, without fear 